Amen. Um, now you've probably seen one of these on your chair and you're like, what, what's that then? Um, well, Advent officially starts today, but um, me and Tracy wrote this little uh, cheesy book called Advent Reflections. It's for it's 25 days in December. I know there's more days than that in December, uh, from the 1st to the 25th. And I thought as a network, it would be good if we went through this book together just each day. So we're, we're meditating on, a rev- on something here and then we just, as a network, doing it. So please take one, one to a couple or whatever, and uh, you can have it for free. But if, if you'd like to pay, it's two pounds and you just put where the coffee is. You'll see a little money pot there, just stick two pound in there if you want to. But if, if you can't, then just feel free to take it. But it'd be good to, as a network to go through that together. So. There you go, dear. Done that. It was Tracy's brainchild as well, that idea. And she did more reflections than me as well, so go you. <laughs> okay, uh, if you turn with me to 1 John chapter 4, so the letter of John, not the Gospel of John, so 1 John chapter 4. And we'll look at that verse 18, which someone brought out today. One John 4:18, and it says, "There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and he who fears has not attained perfection in love. There is no fear in love. But perfect love, or you could say perfected love, drives out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and he who fears has not attained to perfection in love. So, we're going to talk about some stuff about fear and things about love. Now, these are scriptures that we've all kind of grown up with as Christians, isn't we? Oh, yes and amen, but how many of you are still scared of the dark? Is it just me, is it? Okay, so... <laughs> but, there, but Jesus has come to give us life and life in abundance. And, and now today is the first day officially of the church calendar of Advent. So we are, we are preparing ourselves for his coming, so to speak, as that's how the early church saw it. Prepare ourselves mentally and spiritually for his coming both his first coming and his second coming as we prepare that incarnation, the one that is very God, that took on flesh to dwell amongst us and to die on a cross for us, as we've uh, talked about this morning, sang about this morning and was in communion as well. But Jesus has come to set us free from many things. But one of the things he's come to set us free from is fear. Fear is a big thing, actually. Um, I heard someone say that all fears stem from one fear, which is the fear of death. You might be thinking, well, really? You know, I'm scared of spiders, but that doesn't mean I'm frightened. I have a fear of death. Well, what do you think that spider's going to do to you? Eat you up, gobble you up, and kill you. I mean, that's it. This little thing about that big, and it's going to come and eat you up, and gobble you up, and kill you. That's why you're afraid of it. Anyone like snakes? Yeah, there's, there's weirdos that like snakes. You're just weird. I'm sorry, but just. And people that have them as pets, they're weird as well. I bet there's someone in here that's got a pet. That's a, no? Tarantulas, all that kind of stuff. Oh, no, thank you. No, no, no. And so Jesus has come to set us free from fear. But fear is something that we all wrestle with if, uh, if we're honest with ourselves. Um, so, for example, 
How many people like to come up the front here and talk in front of lots and lots of people? Is that, is that a fear that some of you have? Oh, no, no. Yeah, no, I did. Yeah, just, just try and trick, trick you out. Of. So um, have a fear of public speaking. Anyone have a fear of public speaking? Yeah, there's a few of you have a fear of public speaking. And the reason why you have a fear of public speaking is because your integrity, who you are is on the line. You make yourself look silly. If you get it wrong, everyone will think bad of you, etc., etc. Um, and it's really because, again, it's a fear of death. Because when you come in front of lots of people or you do something that comes out of your comfort zone, it's really putting you and your ego and who you are as a person to be exposed. And it's a really delicate place to be and people don't want to be exposed and people don't want to put themselves in, in that kind of situation, in that kind of scenario. So fear is a big thing. And, and I think if we're honest as Christians, fear is something that we all struggle with in different areas. But there's good news. Jesus wants you set free from fear. Now, there's been loads of fears that I've had over the years, and God has gradually worked things through in me. But, but one of the fears, uh, and I'll just share it now, is that a while ago, uh, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, you're no longer allowed to have any idea about what you're going to preach about anymore. You just literally have got to get up on a Sunday morning and you hear a scripture or you open your Bible and I'll just fill your mouth and you just got to go with it. All right? That is terrifying. All right, to actually come up in front of you guys, in front of anybody, and actually have no idea what's going to come out of my mouth every single service is utterly terrifying. Because it's like, well, what I would like to do is have a nice three-point sermon with notes and quotes and make myself look nice and clever and stuff. But, but actually the Holy Spirit doesn't want that. He wants to talk to people. He wants to, he wants to give um, life dynamic and life changing messages. If you look at Jesus's sermons and actually analyze them, if you went to Bible college and you analyzed Jesus's sermons, he wouldn't get marked very highly because he didn't quote some famous theologian. He didn't start with a joke. Um, he didn't have a three point plan to his sermon. Actually, a lot of Jesus's sermons seem quite peculiar, random. And he doesn't really use scripture an awful lot either, does he? He like quotes about bees and birds and bees and birds. And he quotes things like seed and farming and, and, and various things and signs in the heavens. Like, you know, you, you can say when the sky is red at night, etc. And all, he, he uses a lot of things that are going on around him. He doesn't necessarily stand there and quote scripture all day. You know, there are some Bible colleges that say you must only preach through books of the Bible because that's the best way to preach. And it's like, well, Jesus didn't preach like that. He's the king of preachers. He is the preacher of all preachers. And so we can have these preconceived ideas. But actually, you know, so back to my point, me getting up here week on week and having no idea, even before up to the second I open my mouth, knowing what God is going to say is scary, is terrifying. And the reason why it's scary and terrifying is because you're going to look at me and think, what is this idiot on about? Because, you know, if I'm just literally just here, just saying and, and mouthing off complete nonsense, that, that's, that to me is my fear. Because if I'm honest with you, it roots itself back to a fear of death. And here's the thing that God wants to set you free from. Here is the principle of the kingdom. If a seed is going to grow into something beautiful that will bear more seeds, what must it do first? Fall into the ground and die. You see, it's in the very thing that you fear 
is the very thing that is what God is trying to get you to do to bring life. Because our fear is to resist death with all of our being to resist it. We don't want to think about it. We don't want to talk about it. We won't put ourselves in a place where we're going to be challenged in those areas because we don't want to deal with the issue of death. And I'm not talking about literal death. I'm talking about any kind of death, metaphorical death, death to your dreams, death to your visions, death to death to aspirations, um, any kind of thing. Nobody wants to put those things to death because with that comes a cost, right? And yet if you want to be truly free, you have to let go and let God. You see, Jesus, he set his face like flint because he, he set his face like flint for the joy that was set before him. He knew what he was going to endure. He knew that he was going to die because death is the way of things on this world. And, and, we, and we think that death is a bad thing. And it is a bad thing in one sense, but God uses it for his glory. And the very nature of the kingdom of God is that if you want to have life in God, you must die. You must, we must daily take up our cross and die to ourselves each day. Because the more you die, the more of Christ can come through you. If you want to have more freedom, then you have to die. It seems a completely ironic thing that the very thing that would do you the most harm and the very thing that could, that could cause you the most grief and the most pain is the very thing that will give you the most life and the most joy. For he who tries to gain the whole world will forfeit his own soul. But he who forfeits his own soul will gain the world. This is the thing I love about kingdom, these, these seeming paradoxes. But we need to understand something is that we think things of the kingdom are upside down. No, it's you and I that are upside down and the things of the kingdom's the right way up. It's just that we're seeing things from the wrong way. Because you see, the way that the devil operates is he will do anything he can to stop you thinking about death. He'll keep you busy. He'll keep you, because he knows that in death is life. He knows that in death is resurrection. And so he'll do everything he can to keep you busy. One life, live it. Just, just, it's all about you guys. You've got these amount of years left. Give out your life. Just do everything you possibly can and live your life for yourself. Whatever you do, do not think about dying. It's the last thing you want to think about. Don't do things for other people. Serve yourself. Do those things that you want to do. Get yourself the best job. Get yourself the best car. Get yourself the best wife. Whatever it is, just go for it. But do not think about dying and death. Because actually, death is the best thing that can ever happen to us. <laughs> for a Christian, at least, anyway. Because, you see, when we die, where are you going to go? Heaven. Heaven. But, but sometimes it's like we'll do anything we can to get there. I'm not going to do anything we can not to get there. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Because we've got that fear, that fear of the unknown. But guess what? It is the way of the world. If you want to go to heaven, you have to die. And if you're one of the very fortunate few to get raptured at the end of the age after the resurrection of the dead, well, then good for you. But in the meantime, everybody else has to die. And guess what? God died too. Oh, theological paradox. Jesus, who became fully man, who is fully God, died. 
Now, obviously, he didn't die in spirit, but his physical body died. And therefore, Jesus has showed us the pattern and the way. If you want to have life, you've got to die. Let's take, I said this this morning, let's take a caterpillar. Little, little caterpillar on the leaves, just munching away, right? Caterpillars, quite pathetic little looking things, aren't they, really? Just this gross little green thing with lots of legs and just sits there munching things all day. You know, it just, what is it? I mean, it's just a caterpillar. But you know what? What happens when it goes into its cocoon? It changes, but it, it doesn't just gradually like, you know, it's not like a science fiction film where bits of it start growing out of its head and stuff. It literally dissolves to goo. All right, now imagine you and I dissolving into a pot of goo, right? Big beer, big pot for some of us, yeah? And then coming back to life. Now that means, therefore, by virtue that the poor caterpillar literally dissembles and dies. And whilst it's in this state of goo, somehow it starts reforming and coming back to life and it produces this wonderful piece of creation that, let's be honest, no one ever would have thought in a million years that is going to end up looking like that. And that is the nature of resurrection life. You see, you see, the humble butterfly, I believe, is a parable that God has given into creation for us all to look at and ponder and say, this is the way of life. Pay attention to it. That if you want to be able to fly like a butterfly, then you need to do what that butterfly, I mean, that caterpillar did, go into the cocoon of death. And in the place of death, you can have rebirth. When we try to do things in our own strength, by our own prowess, for our own glory and for our own ego, guess what happens? Uh -uh. It just doesn't get you anywhere. Now, some people have got, in, got, got somewhere, to be fair, but it, it, it never has the power that it could have if you do it God's way. We can strive and we can do things in our own strength, but then you can do it God's way. You know, it's like when Tracy and I first planted Ferrum, we did everything in our own strength, didn't we? And we did a really bad job at it too. We did everything in our own strength all of the time. I never, I barely prayed, I did this, and I just worked hard and did long hours and did all this sort of stuff. And it just didn't achieve anything. It was a big waste of time. Until God one day, I'm sure I've told you this many times, but God once told me one day, he said, you're doing this all back to front. He said, work from a place of rest and I will do the work for you. Because you see, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. I don't care how clever your plans are. I don't care, care what kind of six point plan you've got to make a church grow and all that kind of stuff. If God is not in it, then it isn't gonna work. It's as simple as that. But I could apply that, you can apply this to anything. How many times of our own life, in our own lives have we tried to push things in our own timing? I wanna move into this now, therefore I believe it's what God's saying I should do, so I'm gonna run into it now. And it doesn't work. And then you get discouraged and sad and fed up and angry at God. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, I gave, you, I gave you the heart and the vision for it. But I didn't say go now. You know, we'll do it together. And as we do things God's way, and as we die to ourselves and die to our own ambitions, then God can resurrect it into something beautiful like a butterfly. Because... You know, but this is what we do as Christians. Like, well, 
I know I'm a caterpillar and I need to look like a butterfly, all right? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick some wings on me and I'm like draw them and paint them and they look really pretty and stuff and you stick them on you and you might look like a butterfly, a bit freaky looking one because you're still a caterpillar, um, all right? And you can't fly and you can't really do anything but you walk around with these big cardboard wings stuck to your back thinking, look at me, I'm a butterfly. Okay, because you do anything. You want to look the part, but you don't want to be prepared to pay the price to be the part. Which means you've got to die so that you can be a butterfly for Jesus. Amen? Amen. This is a very simple sermon today, I appreciate, and very butterfly-ish. But, but the point is, is that if you want to be in this walking in this resurrection life that Jesus has promised to you, in was it, Romans chapter 8, uh, says... Um, no, it's not coming to me. It'll come to me in a minute. But basically, that's it. The, um, that same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is at work in our mortal bodies, giving us life. But if you really want resurrection power, resurrection life in your life, then it comes by saying no to yourself. And so Jesus says every day you must daily carry your cross. Did he not? Which means to daily die become a living sacrifice. It's like, well, this, this, Christian, this Christian life sounds a bit painful. But you see, but that's the point. It's yes, there is suffering and there is pain, but then there's joy and then there's greatness and God gets the glory when that which went into the earth was very basic looking and come out of the earth something remarkable, like a seed. You know, I wonder how many of us just stay, stay as seeds in all our lives thinking, well, you know, I'm called to do this. I'm one of these. I'm a this, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a this person. I'm a that person. I'm called to be this. And it's like, well, well, get in the ground and die. And then God will raise you up into this wonderful big oak tree and you'll be fruitful in all that you turn your hands in. Yeah, but no, but I don't want to die. I just want to tell everybody that this is what I'm meant to be. I, I'm an oak tree. But you don't look like an oak tree. You look like an oak seed. Yeah, but I'm an oak tree. That's, 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 that's what God said I am. I'm an oak tree. Yeah, but you're not an oak tree. You're still a seed. You've got to die. You've got to go through some stuff. You've got to suffer some pain for the kingdom of God. Glory be to God. Amen? Amen. I don't want to suffer any pain. But pain's the key. Death is the key to resurrection. I want to be alive. Well, you're going to have to die. And that's why you get glorified when you die. Because when you are 100% dead, then you'll be 100% glorified. So in the, whilst you're still alive in this body of sin, as Paul says, and it's a, a body of death, and that's why it's getting old and decaying, but inwardly, we are being renewed and restored day by day by day. But the more that you put the members of your flesh to death, you could go from maybe 12.5% of life and bumping up to 15%. Yeah? And maybe bump it up to 17% or 20%. Because you'll only give it 100% when you're totally dead. But the more that we can put ourselves to death and the more we allow God to come through us, the greater things will be. A perfect example of this in, in a metaphorical sense was Abraham. You know, he, all his life, he wanted a son. And finally, he gets a son. And now he's probably in his mid-teens. And then God says, right, I want you to kill him now. And so, but, but he's my, he's the future to everything you've promised to me. From him will come the Messiah. From him will come all my hopes and dreams. From him will come everything that you've promised me. And now you want me to kill him? All my hopes and dreams were hung on this boy. And now you want me to kill him? 
It's that unnerving look there. And how you want to kill him. But, but, but he was so prepared to go through with it. It says in Hebrews that he even believed that he would, God would raise his son from the dead. But it's the process. But when he got to that point where it was, well, Lord, your will be done, but not mine. Then the miracle came. Then the turnaround came. Then God the provider stepped in. Then God provided a miracle. And the very place where he tried to kill his son became, they believe, the very site that later that Jesus was probably crucified on, or at least the Temple Mount where the sacrifices were offered. You know, it's just, it's just amazing that we don't realise that as we say yes to God and no to ourselves, what wonderful things can happen in our lives. Um, you know, uh, is it John Newton who wrote um, that hymn, uh, Amazing Grace? It's normally, isn't it, when we're in a life and death precarious situation that ironically we cry out to God. So he's a slave trader. He's got a whole cargo ship full of slaves and they're going across the sea and this ferocious storm gathers and it looks like they're all basically going to die. And in the face of certain death, John Newton gets on his knees and says, Lord, if you, if you will save me, I will give my life to you and I'll quit this. And God saved him. And through that, you know, he did many things, but he wrote that famous hymn, Amazing Grace. And we still sing it today. And it still is anointed today. And if that man hadn't done that, we wouldn't be singing that song. We wouldn't know those words. And it echoes on throughout time, long after he's gone. There's a legacy that's been left, but the glory goes to God, not to man. And so as we say more and more, yes to Jesus and no to ourselves, and we, and we face the fear, face the fear of, but Lord, if I put this to death, then, then what am I? Where, what's my identity found in? And this is something I've done for many years. But, you know, and I was thinking and praying this morning in the prayer room. I was like, because I'll be honest with you, there, there, there are givers and takers in a relationship, aren't there? So it's getting quiet in here. There's givers, givers and takers in relationships, right? Thank you. I'll be honest with you, and I'm not proud to say it, but I'm, I'm more of a taker than a giver, if I'm honest with you. And Tracy's, Tracy's a giver. And so I was, so I'm, I'm trying to encourage the takers, okay, now. So I was like, what was that? I heard that. <laughs> so I was like, Jesus, you know, I'm, I am self-involved. What are you laughing at? Put your laugh in it. Oh, Jesus, I, I, I am self-involved. And Lord, you know, and I do find it hard to be thoughtful. Sometimes it doesn't even cross my mind. That's how awful I am sometimes. And Lord, I, I find it hard. But then, then you might be thinking, Lord, what, what is it that I've done that, where I've laid down my life for you? And then God just showed me. He said, you know, for uh, many years, I, I was a full-time musician. And I loved my job. I loved it. And I worked at Portsmouth Grammar School and I used to work with some really talented musicians. And, uh, and, and they were just amazing. And so now I like listening to um, classical FM and stuff. Well, dab, because I'm not onto FM. So I was listening to classical uh, music on, you know, on various spectrums and stuff. And, uh, and I was like, is this my age or is this something else? And uh, it's not because I'm 50. It was because actually it was reminding me of being in my old job. And I still remember that I really loved it. And I still love it. 
And God was reminding me, saying that every day that you don't do that job is a sacrifice to me. And I was like, oh, phew, thank goodness for that. So I'm not just a complete taker then. But God was trying to encourage me. And I want to encourage you. You might be sitting there thinking, well, what have I done? What have I done for my Jesus? How is it that I'm laying down my life for him? But you know what? You could have sacrificed your th- whatever it is that's been on your heart because you felt it was right to serve your family, for example. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there could be a whole gambit of things that you have done, that you have personally sacrificed. Maybe you've spent all your life in a marriage because that was your sacrifice. And you need to know something, is that God never forgets... Is that funny? You said about that. <laughs> Obviously, God's speaking to those two. So, whatever our sacrifice is, God will reward it. In Ezra and Nehemiah, when they rebuilt the walls, every name of every person that helped put up the gates and put up the walls, their names were written down and remembered. In every sacrifice and every time you have put yourself on the altar for God and on behalf of others, that is never forgotten. And you will be rewarded. Hallelujah. You might not get your reward this side of heaven, sorry, but you will get a reward, you know. And and you want to see, I know it sounds silly, but you want to see your life now as a giant BP rewards card. All right? (laughs) Or Marks and Spencers for you then. All right? So a giant MP... (laughs) John Lewis. Okay, John Lewis uh, rewards card. And so... Yeah, there's a few others. Yes, amen. And so you want to be thinking, what I do now echoes into eternity. So I'm going to, you know, that day when you just like want to, I just want to have five minutes to myself, but then the doorbell goes and, oh, come on in then and make them a cup of tea or something. You know, those moments where you get that decision. And every day we get decisions where it's like, am I going to choose the right thing or am I going to choose me? And so every time you choose the right thing, you're putting a little uh, point there on your rewards card. So that when you go to glory, you can cash in some of those rewards and you will get rewards, hallelujah. And, and, and we need to understand that we have rewards waiting for us on the other side. And in the world to come, there is functions and jobs that God has called us to do. But bringing this right back to fear, a lot of the time why we refuse to say yes to God in certain areas of our lives is because, quite frankly, we're terrified of what that looks like. Yeah. You know, we are. If we're honest with ourselves... It is scary when God says, do that. And it's like, well, uh, I don't know what that's going to look like. Does that mean I have to give up my job? Well, what does that look like? How am I going to get paid? And we start thinking of all the reasons why we shouldn't do it, that make perfect sense logically and reasonably, that you can't possibly be hearing God. And yet still you feel that, that, that inside your heart saying, I need you to do something. How many times have you been walking in a supermarket or something and God has said, I want you to go and give a word or say something to that person or buy something for that person there? And we've just said no. <laughs> yeah, and how many missed opportunities that? I'm not saying this to make you feel bad. I'm just trying to say, you know, how many times has actually the Spirit has said something to you and it puts you right out your comfort zone because there's genuine fear there. And some people have different types of fear. You might have a fear of sickness or a fear of getting a sickness, or, or a fear of something else, you know, the fear of, you know, ironically, some of the people that have most fear about finances are the ones who are most affluent, because they have a spirit of poverty, or a, or a poverty mindset, 
And so that's why they've got to get all they can, can all they get, and sit on the can, because that's just the only way that they think they're going to survive. And that's not kingdom, is it? God doesn't want his people to be living in fear like that. He doesn't want you to be in a place of fear. You know, where's my next meal going to come from? How's the rent going to get paid? All of these things. We all have these fearful questions. And I'm just reminded of that scripture, you know, where Jesus says, look, guys, these are things that the Gentiles worry about. He's like, you know, you know, Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like a little flower in the field. Yet you are worth more than a sparrow. You are worth more than a flower in the field. God will provide fooding for you. God will provide clothing for you. God will look after you. God will supply all your wants and needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. You said wants. Where are you getting wants from? Uh, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Okay. So wants and needs. God will take you to a place where you shall not want. And he'll take you to a place where you do not need. But also to be in a place where you shall not want can only truly come through the place of being surrendered to God. Because when you're not surrendered to God, you want everything. And there's no end to the lust of man. There's no end to the eyes. There's no end to the ears. No end to what the heart desires and what the heart wants. You've had a new gadget. And within minutes, the latest version has just come out. Now I want that phone. I want the iPhone 17 now. But it's not even existed yet. Yeah, but I want it. All right. It's just what we're like with this, this consumer culture. And, but you can only really be in the place of contentment when you've had your fears dealt with and you know that you are loved and you are in his love because perfect love casts out all fear. So what we're going to do now, you know, I don't normally do this sort of stuff. So we're going to have some piano. Is that okay? Some piano. Just, yeah, Bella. It's okay. And uh, for those that did the prayer training recently um could you come out you know who you are the people that did the prayer training recently if you come out and what we're going to do now we're just going to move into a time of of ministry i'm not going to do anything you just come forward and we all have different fears and we all have things in our lives like i i know i need to surrender this area of my life to jesus or i know i need i need freedom in this area please lord will you help me you see god is really good he meets you at the point of your need and if, you're, if you get honest with God, he will do business with you. Amen. And God wants to set us free. God wants you to be a people because the more free you are, the more radical you can be for Jesus. And the more crazy stuff you'll get to do for Jesus. Amen. Are you sure about that? Yeah. I, like, I don't want to be radical and crazy for Jesus. I'll leave that to you. You're crazy. Right. Everybody, everybody. You could have such a joy in God. There's such a, an abandonment of self because you've died to self. You put that thing to death and there is such freedom and there's such joy when we do things God's way. Hallelujah. Amen. There is a freedom that God is yearning for all of us to have. But it will come about as we just say yes to Jesus and no to ourselves. So let's all stand. And for those that feel like they want to, uh, they need some prayer in their life or whatever it is, could be a small thing, could be a big thing, then please come forward and get some prayer. Let's, let's just walk in one step of freedom at a time, amen? Because Jesus, this is what I heard him say to me today, I want people to be set free from fear. So this is why the sermon's on fear. This is what he wants. He is here today to set people free. Set people free from that pain and that fear and that worry that gnaws away at you and eats you up. So come forward and receive prayer, amen. And for those that are okay, 
I just want you just to, you know, bow your head and just pray, worship God, and just pray for these people going forward that they be set free today. In Jesus' name, amen.